So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And then anybody who's listening to the recording later, I'll be your host today for the Gamify Everything podcast. My name's Chris, a.k.a. Mayo, working on the marketing side of Gamify here. And joining us today, we've got the one and only Midbeast, League of Legends content creator, influencer, streamer, whatever the word you want to use. Man, how are you? G'day. I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. No worries. Actually, I've got a first question for you before we kick off. Really left the field. Sure. Do you like the word influencer? Not really. Not really at all. Like, I feel like for me as like a league player, I'm not much of an influencer, you know? When someone yeah. says you're an influencer, it's like, dude, I just play games, hang out with friends, like build community. I don't know. I, I, it's a weird term, you know? There's a bit of a stigma around it. So for me, yeah. I don't really like the word influencer, but I mean, some people get around it. I feel like it's more the Instagram and the TikTok is more so than like a Twitch. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty old these days, like a bit of a boomer in the space. So yeah, influencer for me, don't like it too much. Yeah, makes sense. I remember when I first um, joined Corsair, I worked for there for a couple of years managing the marketing in Australia and New Zealand, and I never even heard the word influencer. And I feel like it's an American thing. And it, I guess I just got used to it over time, but I can see like why people wouldn't want to be labeled as that. It's like, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't just peddle products to people. Like, you know, you make good content, yeah. you're a decent player, you know, you engage with your chat and stuff. It's not just about buy this tummy tea and this pair of leggings like, from Gymshark. It's such a broad term as well, like influencer. It could mean a million different things. So like if you just say, oh, I'm an influencer, someone says, okay, like like what? Like what do you actually do? It doesn't really give you like a, a job title or anything like that. Yeah, true that, true that. All right, well, now I've already um, sidetracked this once. <laughs> I'll try to get through the, try to get through the rest times. of it. I'm yeah, guessing. exactly. But yeah. So, so for those people in here live, and then those listening later, obviously it, it might be the fact that we are we are live right now. So it's it's happy launch day for Gamify. So the IDO is going live right now. So just some housekeeping stuff for everybody in here. So the tokens listing on Pancake Swap at two thirty PM GMT. If you need to do a time zone converter, I always literally just Google time zone converter and click on the top one, and then you'll be able to convert that to your local time zone. GMT being like London time, basically. The contract address will be provided at the time of the listing. Pre-sale participants will have their tokens distributed 20 minutes after the initial listing, and we're also employing anti-bot and anti-snipe technology to ensure a fair launch for all. The Telegram, which is where a lot of the investors or the people who are purchasing and trying to become part of the IDO will be part of, it'll be muted two hours before the launch and then updates provided by the team will be 30 minutes and then every five minutes closer to the launch. And then on the launch, it'll be reopened and it'll be a FUD which is fair uncertainty doubt, for those who don't know, free zone. So anyone who's fighting will be removed from the group because we know that some people love to come in and cause a bit of chaos and be assholes, basically. So just make sure that the launch is all smooth and, you know, we've got a, got a really good thinking about this after the extremely successful version of the pre-IDO that we did on launch call. So if anyone has any questions about Gamify's tokenomics, it's listed in the light paper in the, in the CM group. You can also just check out the website, gamify.gg website, and you can find the white paper in there. So, Drew, for you coming on today, mate, we're doing a bit of marketing with you. Thanks so much for, for coming in here. And for everyone who's listening, who's coming in from Midbeast audience, etc., you can ask him any questions at the end of the podcast. We'll probably do this for around 30 minutes, have a pretty casual chat about blockchain, gaming, NFTs, all that kind of cool stuff. And then we'll be able to do a Q&A where you can ask him what he had for breakfast and where he lives and what street he's on and what his address is and all that fun yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. That's exactly what I want to give away. Yeah, exactly. So I did a bit, little bit of an intro for you, man. But yeah, could you just give like a super top line intro for anyone who's listening in kind of from the crypto side who isn't here, you know, due to you being a content creator? Yep. So I'm Drew and 
My online name is Midbeast. I'm a League of Legends content creator, streamer, former pro player, and just gamer, just just avid gamer, I guess, is how I describe myself. Yeah, beauty, nice and simple. I like it. And based in what country? Australia in Queensland. There we go. Beautiful sun in Queensland, which we were talking about just before. Your weather is much nicer than mine down here in Melbourne. Yes, definitely won't be going down there anytime soon. <laughs> so this is like kind of the first bit of crypto promotion really you've done, isn't it? It is, honestly. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I've like, obviously I've been aware of this space for a long time now. It's always, I've got friends within it. I've got, um, it's always promoted on my Twitter, you know? So I see mm. it. I think the biggest thing for me, the turning point is probably like that Facebook whole meta um, name change and all that type of stuff. Yeah. I did a little bit more research and looked into the what's going to be happening in the next five, ten years for gaming, I guess. Yeah, it seems to be the catalyst catalyst for so many things, right? And also sucks for any company whose name is currently meta. <laughs> yeah, look, <laughs> it's a lot of companies probably just got shafted by that, but Getting it is what it is. They've gone in there and just claimed it. So Yeah. So I guess like someone from like a mainstream gaming market does – does the discussion of like crypto or anything come up in your chat at all? Like when you're streaming regularly, do, do people ever bring that up? Crypto in general, of course, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, stuff like that all the time. NFTs, I mean, there's a bit of a stigma around NFTs, to be honest. There's good projects and there's bad projects. And obviously there's like these pump and dump schemes and stuff like that. So I think for gamers, mm. a lot of them are pretty anti-NFT, I would say. But it's, I think I think it's the building there with some of these better projects that are starting to come up in the works mm. um, where people are starting to have finally start to adopt it, I guess. Yeah, and I guess a lot of the like the marketing work that I do personally with my company is like when people are at that second stage, like they've done that, they've shilled to the crypto people, they've done the telegrams, they've done the, the Twitter type stuff, you know, they've, they've raised some money and then it's like, okay, what do we do next? Like how do we make this a sustainable project where we make something cool that's, that's long-lasting? Yeah. And I think... That's where so many are and like the content that I make on LinkedIn, like a lot of business content, usually say like I think gamers are rightfully annoyed with a lot of NFTs because mm. it doesn't add it doesn't add value. Like if you're gonna make something, you, it's like square peg round hole, right? Like you wanna gamers want their life to be easier at all times. They want things to be solved, they wanna log in with one click, you know, they don't want lag yeah. and uh, they want a cool, cool game experience that doesn't cost too much. I think a big thing is like a lot of the news headlines around like, you know, Logan Paul buying these insanely like priced pitches and these crypto punks and all that type of stuff i just feel like a lot of people are seeing these huge price tags and they're just being like it's just pitches i don't get it like i just feel like yeah maybe the news cycle hasn't really helped as well with the uh the sphere yeah that's true yeah and it goes it goes both ways right like that flashing cash on instagram does attract certain people and it makes other people yeah. run to the hills no exactly yeah so you mentioned like in your quick intro that you were a previous pro player as well. So walk me through like that kind of history in your space and then how did you decide to leave that and then become a full-time content creator? Well, I started playing league in like 2011, 2012, just when I was still in high school. Um, grinded it heaps. Like I just instantly fell in love with the game. I, like I'm not really, I play games 10 hours a day, but I wouldn't really classify myself as a gamer. I played RuneScape. And then I transitioned into League of Legends. And they're like the two games, the only two games I've really played. So I don't know if you can justify that as like a game because I haven't played anything else, but obsessed with League of Legends, just obsessed with like the self-improvement aspect of it, of like, it's so hard to progress in the game. So I just grinded so many hours into it, went to uni, studied journalism and marketing. Mm -hmm. And then honestly, like I was hardly at class because I was grinding League. And then in 2004, 
15, I finally got an offer to play in a pro team, took that up. I think I was playing for like $100 a weekend or something like that. So it was like, it was just nice. It was just like, I would just go to the, you know, we'd just go out on the weekend. I'd, I'd spend that on drinks or something. It was just kind of nice yeah. to have. Um, 2016, played pro again. Um, and then 2017, I had like a brief stint. But I was always kind of like a middle of the pack player. I couldn't really, like I enjoyed it, but the monetary, there, there was no money there. I couldn't justify the time I was putting into it. Yeah. When you're playing 10 hours a day, it's like, okay, I'm getting $100 a week out of $500 a game. It's like, I need to try and monetize this somehow, like so- somewhere else. So I started a YouTube channel, posting videos, eventually transitioned that into a little bit of a Twitch stream and just built it from there until until now, honestly. I just, I just quit the pro play aspect and just went for full-time content creator. Do you reckon it would be a different story? Like if you were like that 2012 period in high school, if you were in high school right now, do you think that you would have stuck with pro play? Probably, honestly. Like my, I, I wanted to be a pro player. I want to be the best player in the world. But I just from Australia, it's such a small thing. I was just like, I, I couldn't justify it, you know. I couldn't drop out of uni yeah. or, or things like this for the, the small amount of money back then. If it was now with those big contracts, who knows? I'm such a competitive person, so that I probably would be pushing for a pro player. I'd say, yeah, I was, like, I was a young in with mechanics. Now I'm a bit of a boomer, <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to know, right? Like I guess Shroud made it on the international level, and he he made the same decision as you did, you know, to quit yeah. and do that. Yeah, it's we talked thing, honestly. A lot less stress. Yeah, we... pro player, you got to play on stage. We were talking about it earlier. There's, yeah. You got to win your games. It's like as a streamer, dude. I just log in. I lose some games, I win some games, I talk some shit with chat. Like it's a nice lifestyle. <laughs> it's like you get much, you get much better content if you don't play well anyway, right? A lot of the time. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> always clipping all my deaths and stuff, making the highlight channels. Yeah, because you're right. Like we talked about it a little bit before recording. Like I used to be a, you know, I guess a pro on the same level as you, right? I wasn't even played yeah. paid per game. I was winning fifty bucks at lands and hundred bucks here and there, whatever. And I'm playing in top teams, but you know, for me, it became like unhealthy. Because all I could ever think about was playing CSGO. Because it was like whenever I was not playing CSGO, other people were getting better than me. And I wasn't even the best in my team. And my team wasn't even the best in Australia. We were like fourth to sixth. And um, then we were nowhere near as good as like NIP over in Europe. If they played us, they would have like 16 owed us probably, maybe 16 too if we're lucky. Yeah. Star yep. Frag was just a beast. But, um, That's the same here. It's like I'm not even the best in Australia and the best Australian teams would win a single game against the Korean teams. It's like, goddamn. Yeah, where is this going? <laughs> and that makes me wonder how, like, how the Koreans do it, right? Because that was always the thing with StarCraft. It was like healthy body, healthy mind. You know, hiring personal trainers, all that kind of stuff with the US pros, and they mm. like say in StarCraft, and they go to Korea and just get rinsed. And the Koreans are like shrug. I don't know. Like we just play twelve hours a day, grind nonstop, and eat eggs. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know what. Like, yeah, I don't know what's in the Korean water, but those they they can play so many hours of just fo- like it's just a culture difference i think where mm. they're playing like 15 hours a day and they're able to play at their best whilst i mean for somewhere in like australia where esports especially back in my day like it's not really wasn't cool to do it wasn't really promoted um like traditional sports are much heavily more heavily pushed like i don't know it's like yeah. such a culture difference from korea to australia that's probably but i don't know there's probably heaps of different things that go into it yeah, I asked one of my mates once who he played for Fnatic in CS 1.6, like the team that won everything for a year or so, and yeah. I asked him, like, why were Swedish people so damn good at, at CS versus every other country? Because there's always, like, most games, I mean, maybe not as much these days, but 
especially in the past 10 years, like every game had one country that would just dominate every game, yeah. or at least like one region. Like, like CS was Europe, you know, StarCraft 2 was Korea, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, his explanation is just internet. He said, well, internet and weather. He's like, the weather's terrible most of the year. It's mm. freezing cold. So people are inside. Right. And number yep. two, Sweden was like one of the first ever countries to get high speed internet. So they had good access to, you know, download CS 1.6 and play and go to internet cafes and that kind of stuff. So they just got like a massive head start. Everyone yep. else. Man, maybe Pauline Hansen was correct. Do you remember her tweet? Um, yeah, about- it's not about <laughs> slow internet. Our game is losing because of slow internet. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think of, uh, how, how would you explain Pauline Hansen to our listeners who aren't in Australia? Oh, God. I, don't, I'm, I just don't know. I wouldn't even, <laughs> I wouldn't even want to try. <laughs> uh, very right wing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't like a lot of the First Nations people or anyone that comes from other countries. Basically, she, she shocked all of the gamers when she tweeted out that she was talking to some, some kids who live right out in the sticks out in the country complaining that their internet wasn't very fast and were getting beaten by people. She said it was unacceptable. It's the most got unlikely good, Got some good traction as well. All the esport players got around it. It's pretty yeah. <laughs> maybe we got to, yeah, maybe we got to jump on that ourselves. Uh, good marketing tool for themselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, so what's your life like as a, as a content creator? You said it's pretty cruisy. Like, do you have a set daily schedule? I know we talked about this a bit pre-recording and, and then a bit when we started recording, but yeah, what is your, what is your general day to day look like? 99% of my days would look probably like I wake up in the morning pretty early, not early, but like gamer early, like maybe nine or 10 head out to the gym. Um, I just think that keeping your body in good shape is so important in like just in general, but also for like a gamer, I feel keeps, keeps your mental state really nice. So I'll go to the mm. gym. Sometimes I'll go for a swim and stuff like that. Enjoy this Queensland weather. Um, and then usually I'll just come back to my apartment, cook up a nice feed and just start working on my YouTube channel. I'll try and post a video maybe every second day and then slowly push that out before 6 p.m. And then 6 p.m. on the dot usually, not usually, I'm always late, but around <laughs> 6 p.m. I'll go live for my stream and then we just play League of Legends for six to seven hours. Nice. That's that pretty, pretty much everyone. Yeah, that's Monday to Friday. And then I'll take weekends off just to uh, spend with friends or do whatever. Yeah, it's so different to most content creators, right? Like they seem to... A lot of content creators I know who've been around for a while seem to be boom or, boom or bust. You know, like when the views are doing well, when the ad deals are coming in, you know, when the when the chat's popping off, like they're feeling really motivated, and then they want yeah. to stream like twenty hours a day. You know, they smash they smash a hundred Red Bulls a session, they go nuts, and then <laughs> all of a sudden they just can't handle it anymore, or the views start dropping off, and then it's like bust, and it's like no videos, no streaming. That's no the problem. And then once you drop off in this industry, you can't take, it's so hard to take a month off. Like I think the most in this five years I've been doing it, I've had maybe two to three days off, you know, like I, I try not to take too long off just because number one for YouTube, like if you don't post for a while, like the YouTube algorithm for me, it just will stop pushing my things. And then obviously for Twitch, they just kind of find another streamer um, and migrate over there. So like mm. this industry, I mean, I think consistency is how I've done it. I've just been as consistent as possible. Um, and I just think that that's, you know, I, I just feel like people find their home in my community and then I'm not going anywhere. I'm not taking any breaks and we just, yeah, grind it out. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's like the thing that no one ever wants to, to do, right? Which is just be consistent. Just keep pushing out content all the time. Like, well, people you know, I mean, blow I was, up overnight. They, they just want to blow up super fast, super yeah. quick. Then they don't, they don't want to set schedule. They just want to do it when they want to do it. And when they're not made of it, they don't want to do it. It's like, there's no surefire, like, but there's no sure thing 
in this like influencer age, I guess, like become a creator. But mm. I feel like consistency, if anything, is probably the number one. Mm. Yeah, definitely right. I mean, I had someone asking that question today with me. Like I said, like I make a lot of content on LinkedIn. I got I managed to get like 4.1 million content views last year, which is good for the platform. And we get most of our business there for, for my company. And I heard LinkedIn is pretty good these days. I feel like, like back in the day, it was like, it was kind of just for boomers, you know, just for <laughs> like, I was yeah. like told to make one, like add it like for uni and stuff. But I, I heard it's doing pretty well these days. Like you just can make like posts. I, I really should get back on there, honestly. You'd be surprised that content creators actually do extremely well on LinkedIn. I mean, I made a, yeah. I made an offhand tweet about it today, but I think 85% of my success on LinkedIn is I talk like a real person. And yep, it's okay. going through that transition stage, like of people just posting Don't shitty f- fake stories. They're posting mm. like, you know, um, I think everyone should be paid more money. Do you agree? <laughs> you know, just like <laughs> just stupid stuff. Where no I just shit. say, yeah, yeah, where I just say, like, look, here's the news and here's what you should care about in the industry. And then people read yep. it and go, shit, man, no one knows what he's talking about. Maybe we should work with him. And it's like, you know, I like if I, and that's how I started. Like, if I read an article that was interesting to me, I would just share it and then boil it down, and people would be like, okay, Chris, tell me what I need to learn. And that's it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not it's not super hard. But no, you're right. And then like content creators, like uh, I got a friend on there, um, Jade Vincent. She's got um, two, three million followers on TikTok now, and her posts just go nuts because yeah. people are like, oh my god, this is actually a real person. It's not just a grifter, someone pretending to know stuff about the market. Like, this is an actual influencer who creates content telling us what we should know. So people yeah. really flock to that. I should get on there, man. Shut me yeah. up. Yeah, maybe you should start uh, start doing some LinkedIn live streams. So many people who have told me to do live streams of games. Oh, you can live in. You can live stream over there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the engagement isn't fantastic for that, but um, yeah, yeah. I think most people aren't checking LinkedIn all day to, uh, you know, to, to read stuff. I think people check it like the morning paper almost. Like yeah, you know, yeah. They check the Daily Mail. They check LinkedIn. You know, they look for a job or whatever. And it's and it's seasonal as well. Like it kind of dies over Christmas a bit, or like especially when COVID started, my views took a massive hit, which would be the opposite for you, right? But because people were, I think the last thing they want to think about was work. They're all stressed. True. Yeah. 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 My views definitely spiked with COVID. Obviously, everyone's at home, not doing anything. I feel like, especially with all the work at home culture at the moment, it's like a lot of people, a lot of my viewers are just at work with me on the second screen. You know. That's <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's nice, man. So. Like you said that you haven't really immersed yourself too much in the crypto and NFT market. You also said that, you know, a lot of your viewers are, um, you know, constantly asking questions and that, and that kind of stuff. What's, what's yeah. personally stopping you from, from getting more involved? Is it time related? Is it, is it knowledge information? What is it? Just time related. Yeah. I just can't like, I need to put the research in to look at the good projects and stuff like that. Like for crypto, I hold, um, just Bitcoin and Ethereum, like just more as investments, just. To get a diverse portfolio and stuff like that but i know there's a lot of different mm. like um coins and tokens and stuff for different projects but i've just never really i've seen projects here and there but nothing draws me in i feel like i'm waiting for that like a triple a game like really polished game in the metaverse where i can actually enjoy that and then i can branch out to like you know picking up different tokens and, and nfts and stuff like that so i just feel like i need i need an actual game that's going to draw me in do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like an actual I just, I don't know. I haven't found anything yet. So hopefully in the next 24 months or so, I reckon there's going to be some pretty big projects starting up. Yeah. A lot of the way I like to explain it is like, like a thinking exercise. If you had a like for like game, let's say League of Legends, and then you had another game that was play to earn that was, had a similar audience size. So you can easily get games and matches and be immersed in the community. It had a similar game quality. So you knew that 
you know, it's, it's actually something decent that you're playing and it paid you to play. Like, which game are you going to pick at a league yeah. in the other one? Exactly. Pay to play for sure. Yeah. But the problem is right now, like you were saying, there's, there's none really that drag you in. Like, there's a lot of cool projects. There's some really cool MMO games coming. And then obviously with Gamify, there's some, some projects that, um, we can't talk about yet that'll be, you know, coming onto this platform that, that have very decent gameplay as part of it. But up yeah. until now, it's just like, side scrollers it's like top down you know flash games basically that you got to pay to be part of like it's just not going to fly for someone like you who's like the reason you play league is because it's so hard and it's so like mechanically intense macro yeah. and micro wise right exactly i i, I want a game that's focused on the gameplay and then the the crypto the nft and all that type of stuff is an add-on it's a bonus mm. i don't want the i don't want it the other way around do you know what i mean yeah, where the, the gaming is just a bonus. I, I, I'm about gaming, about competitiveness, stuff like that. So that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Why not, I'm, sure uh, projects out, I'm sure there's projects out there now that maybe I'm not aware of and stuff like that. But mm. for I sure, five, next, next five to 10 years, for sure, like it's going to be, this is where the industry is like heading towards, I'd say. And one of the hardest things is it's expensive to make a good game, right? Like Riot Games has thousands of stuff all over the world. They have an oh, extremely man. robust competitive esports ecosystem. You know, they've got, you know, I think a developing league, I think they've got a developing influencer system. I feel like it's been a little bit weak, but it's starting to develop quite well now. And, yeah. you know, it's expensive. You can't just, you know, you can't just sell a shitty pixel NFT GIF, <laughs> no. make 500 grand and then make like League of Legends 2.0 off that. No, you can't. It takes a lot of money. Yeah. I was going back and looking through like a week ago, I went back and look, looked through some screenshots of like what CSGO used to look like when it launched, as well as that got me thinking of League, man. Like it, it was like a 500 gram, 500 meg, sorry, executable, like back in like 2012 oh, yeah. compared to what it is now. It's like multiple bit. When I first, the game was so ugly. Like it was ridiculous. Like even now the, the graphics are slightly outdated, but I mean, yeah, back when it started up, yeah, not the greatest of looking games, but that's just how, that's how most of the games were back then. Yeah. And it's huge these days. Do you find that um, <clears throat> people like within Riot like to stay in their ecosystem like they kind of do with, with Steam and Valve games? Like do you find that League of Legends players are often jumping across and playing Valorant and that kind of stuff or are they more siloed into their into their solo game? Um, like I think so. Like there's obviously like TFT and stuff. I think a lot of League players do TFT. Yeah. Um, there's like um, Legends of Runeterra. Valorant's a little bit different just because it's like a, it's like an FPS. So like I've mm. tr- I played like one game. I sucked so bad instantly. <laughs> uninstalled it it's just not my genre of game i can't do it yeah I've, I've, I've tried to play cs i've done all that can't do it so I, I stick with league um probably until they're gonna bring out like a league mmo within the next like three to four years but yeah i mean right right games know what they're doing obviously hopefully some of the listeners here have watched arcane on netflix recently which is an absolute banger of a series so you know they know what they know what they're doing so yeah yeah that I, is true yeah i guess yeah, we gotta some some players they do they do convert obviously but I think a majority just they like that competitive MOBA atmosphere that league provides. Mm. And I feel like um you know I made a like a business prediction but I feel almost like Riot's going to set up their own Olympics because they've got everything they've got an FPS they've got a MOBA they've got an MMO coming out they've got you know TFT which is the the Dota you know auto battle or auto chess style game you know they've got yeah. their own anime series now on Netflix as well like they could make their own like you know, LOL Worlds becomes like Riot Worlds, like the Olympics, and have like five different games there. Oh, for sure. They could, if they want it, if, they, if that was like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't do it. Mm. And I guess that becomes that becomes the question of like, how do you integrate 
blockchain in general, or at least NFTs into that space, right? Like, so yeah. one of the, you know, one of the, the points of, of NFTs is being able to A, own your skins outright, but B, also move them between properties. So we know that, yeah. like, unless people start banding together and then join like metaverses, like with MetaKey, there's a company called MetaKey and, and they allow you to use your assets in multiple different metaverses. So they're almost okay. like a connector between them. So, you know, that, that becomes a thing for league, right? Imagine you buy, you know, a cool, uh, Timo skin, you know, a character that everyone hates or a champion or hero, depending on what, what you want to call it. And then you yep. can use that across everything. You can use that across TFT. You can use that across their MMO. You can use it across their MOBA, across their FPS, like everything. And then you yep. have ownership of that and then you can sell. So that means that if you decide to quit the game, you can pass that problem. or you can sell that skin to someone else. It's a big problem with league. Like obviously you can invest tens of thousand dollars on all the skins. And your account could get banned. And sometimes your account could get banned, maybe not even like just by accident. All your money, all your skins are gone. You, have, you don't actually own them. Like, right, obviously, they own the accounts. You're just, you, you buy the skins, but you're not actually purchasing them. So, like, there's definitely a market there for the, the NFTs and proof of ownership, which is mm. cool. Yeah. And I think as, as long as it's, and, and like the same thing with gamers, right? As long as it doesn't add complexity to it. And I think that's why, yeah. I don't know, did you see the, did you see Ubisoft trying to put NFTs into one of their games? I haven't. No, what would they do? No, and that was part of it. It was called Ubisoft Courts, and they did it with um, uh, one of their Tom Clancy games, which isn't, like, it's a bit of a, you know, hashtag dead game. Like, it's not super popular yep. right now. So it was almost like it was a little bit set up for failure. But, you know, it didn't make anybody's it didn't make anybody's process easier. It was like, hey, you know those skins you already buy? Well, now you need to make a wallet, and you need to buy them with a different currency. And mm. they're yours, but they're not yours because there was some stuff in the contract that if you stream with them, you can't actually stream with them. Because it's some, you're okay. actually breaking some copyright and gamers, yeah. I think, were rightfully pissed off. And they're like, what is this? Like, you know, I just want to be able to buy my lease in skin and then be able to use it in, in TFT as well. And then when I don't mm. want it, I can sell it to some kid. No, you've got to keep it. You've got to keep it simple. It's not, you can't put add ons for gamers. Like, it's just not going to happen. We need, yeah. Yeah. It, it can't get more problematic, more, more uh, complex. Yeah. And people don't want to make them do work, right? <laughs> exactly, man. That's yeah. Good. What about, what about like the content creation process? Is there any, like, I mean, you're not, you're not a person who's, who's been massively into crypto and blockchain in the past. Besides, from what mm. I can understand, your thing is basically, look, if it makes my life easier, it makes me money. I mean, a hundred percent, you know, yep. what is there? I'm just trying to theorize, like, if there's anything throughout that content creation process that would make your life easier, if, if there could be something on blockchain, like, have you thought about selling your own, you know, NFTs on moments, like NBA Top Shot or something like that? I've, I mean, I, I've seen other creators like selling their own NFTs and starting their own projects and stuff like that. But for me, it's like, I can't think of, of something that's going to add a lot of value to my, my audience. Mm. I can't think of something that's going to be like a great NFT set or something like that. Like, I, I just don't have the time, don't have the resources and don't really want to half-ass something for my audience. Like if I was going to do it, I'd fully commit for something, but obviously there's nothing there for me at the moment. Mm. I mean, it comes back to the thing reiterating what we said like twenty times already is like value. That's that's yeah. exactly what you need. If there's no if there's no value, not no extra value, and it's not easy, you're not in, and and your audience isn't in either. Yeah, yeah. And your and I mean, are your audience the same as you? Like like you're pretty much a one a one game guy, right? Are you playing anything yeah. else at all besides League, or just like hundred percent, ninety nine percent, hundred percent League of Legends? Yeah. Hey, do you find your audience is the same? Mm, I would say not really, honestly. I think a lot of my audience kind of shuffle between games. I'd say some of my audience is like more dedicated just because I put more like educational content out. 
Mm. Um, so they're like a lot more invested in the game. But so many of my viewers play like every. They're they're they're, they're proper gamers. They play every game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I guess a lot of the time people kind of stick to categories as well, right? Like I'm sure some people came from Heroes of the Storm across, you know, and maybe played some Smite before us and Dota, you know, and, and switched across. Thank and I guess they came across. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say maybe we got to be mortal enemies because I mainly play Dota these days. And <laughs> Dota, Dota versus League. I got to say though, I did, I did like Dota Dragon's Blood a bit more than Arcane. I thought it was pretty good. So, oh really? I didn't watch it. Apparently, like apparently, it wasn't that good. Yeah. Like, do, you, do you think it's it was good? Yeah, okay. I didn't think it was too bad. It was a little bit yeah. like, um, a little bit different because the characters aren't exactly the same as they are in the game. So that was a little bit odd, the way yeah. that they kind of work and the, and the way that like, you know, they might be like a support in in the game, but they're like a carry in the uh, like in the uh, show. So okay, yeah, good. yeah. Because I've never actually played Dota, but I've watched the um, it's like the is it the international? Is it the the yep. yearly tournament? Yeah, I watched like the documentary on that every time where it's like. The documentaries I do on YouTube, like of the actual tournament, so good. So I watched that. I got no idea what's going on game, but like it's it's similar enough to League that I understand. Yeah, yeah. And I started off like so many Dota two players did, which is playing League. You know, I used to play like basically just Malphite and, and Vagar and, and then a bunch of Aurelia. Um, yeah, just try to get Ooh, the endorphin damn. rush of, of winning with Aurelia because there's no better endorphin rush than that. It's just no, jumping on crazy. people. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was the same, man. Like you know, Dota is such a hard game to get into that I. I started playing League and League's got definitely a lower, like they got similar skill ceilings, but League definitely has a lower floor. So it's much easier as a yeah. player to get in. But then yeah. after a while, I kind of fell in love with Dota because of like the international three, like in, you know, the $1.6 million prize pool that was at that stage. And I was like, damn, it is know, I want crazy to the prize pool they're able to raise. I get because it's community funded, right? Yes. Yeah. But Riot Games take a different stance on it, I guess. And just as long as their prize pools are small, but I think they just, more so invest in their leagues so that like the players make like their contracts and stuff like that year to year are pretty good. Yeah. It's like in Dota, it feels like if you want to make money, you have to win the international. Whereas in league, it's like, I mean, if you just place middle of the pack league in America, you get a decent salary. Like you're going to be paid well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's why people have the, well, you know, like it happens in Australia called the OCE shuffle, right? Like after the the league finishes and they have the post TI shuffle. And it's always a massive pin thread on Reddit because of that exact ah, same yeah. thing. Like, you know, I've interviewed a few Dota 2 pros on my podcast and, um, you know, current and X pros and, and they've all said the same kind of thing. Like nothing matters except for winning TI. They don't care about anything. Yeah. That's why Dota yeah. pros don't tweet very much. That's why they don't do ad deals. That's why they don't stream pretty much at all because all they care about yeah. is the life-changing winning like $40 million in the Changes first place life. team when you're like 18 yeah. mil or whatever. So like, you know, Anna who tweets like, you know, another Aussie who's been super successful, he's won two yeah. TIs, he tweets like once every nine months because he just doesn't yeah. give a shit at all. He's not going to do a brand deal. He's not going to give no. him 10 grand to show off whatever. He's just not going to do it because he wants to win like a lot of, yeah, million bucks in his cash yeah, in hand exactly. after tax. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of the league pro players, they dance a fine line between pro play and influencer mm. where a lot of them, like if they retire, they go straight to streaming and YouTube and they can make good money off of that if yeah. they haven't made enough from, from from being a pro player. So I definitely think in league, Essentially, like a lot of them are building their brands, which is what we were pushed to do as pros in like in Australia, just because Riot obviously knew like there's not that much money into it. But for 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 Australia, I feel like a lot of the players didn't really do that. They focused on winning, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, you win. But in five years' time, it's like if you don't have a career, you're not you, you don't, there's no job progression or anything like that. You just 
don't make any money. So yeah, I think the a lot of the pro players nowadays are starting to branch out, starting to build up their content and stuff, which is good to see. Hmm. And that's part of the argument I've seen for being able to buy like moments in, in NFTs because you know, and, and for your information too, it's you can you can track those payments. They're they're public on the blockchain, and then they can pass back commissions for the lifetime of it being traded. So that okay. could potentially mean that hey. Um, think about like the ex- explosion in, in pay for like UFC fighters in the past 10 years. You know, they've gone from the George St. Pierre being like a main card fighter with, with earn like 20K to show, 20K to win. And yep. then, you know, after a while, it's like he, then he's like on a million to show, a million to win plus like $3 million of pay per view points. But if he retired in that early stage, like some of the old fighters did, they've still yep. got these clips of them doing crazy KOs and, and awesome, you know, submissions, et cetera, that are getting millions and millions of views on YouTube per year. So if that was attachment NFT, you know, let's say that you were a pro player and you decided, yeah, screw this, I'm out of league entirely, I'm burnt out, just going to go in advertising and marketing. You could have a, a, a League of Legends play that could be bought and rebought. It could become like a, you know, a cult classic. And every single time someone buys that, you receive, you know, 1%, 2%, 3% of that transaction sale that comes directly yeah, okay. to you. So you're provided licensing rights for life then. So when Shaquille O'Neal, you know, hits a cool three-pointer like 15 years ago, he's still making money off that today. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking of like how much the NFT for like that, you know, that Michael Jordan picture where he's like just leaping for like a, yeah, like a stand yeah. back or whatever. Like, imagine how much that'd be worth if you could, like, I don't know how the ownership rights would work with all that type of stuff, but. Mm. And that's one of the hardest things that I've seen, like in the days of Clubhouse, it was a bit of a flash in the pan. I remember someone who knew some higher ups at Riot, and that was their comments that people were concerned about potential rights now and then also into the future around, yeah. okay, who exactly owns the rights? Is it. Like, like if there's a if there's a play that happens in ESL CS:GO, who owns the rights? Is it the player, the team, the tournament organizer, the game, the broadcaster, or a combination mm. of all of the above? And then um, maybe the brand that, that's on the logo, that's on the screen, while the person's making that play. So that is the concern with, with that stuff. From what I've seen, is like, yeah, it's a bit of a soup <laughs> of yeah. rights. And you know, if you're the NBA and you own everything, then the NBA's done it. You know, already with yeah. NBA Top Shot, and the UFC is doing their own. NFTs as well. Yep. They got announced quite some time ago. I haven't seen them come out, but from the same crew that did the NBA ones. So, ah, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's a definite possibility. And that's, and this is what people peddle a lot about um, blockchain is that, like, how do you make, how do you commoditize more things and, and have them as a longer tail so you make money for a longer time, then also yep. more money in the intermediate for, you know, someone like yourself who is a pro or, or a current content creator or something like that. And I feel like, and you said this at the start too, it's like people aren't quite doing it right yet. You as a content creator don't see enough of value for you to like stake your name against it because your name is everything. Like that's why people yeah, follow exactly. you because of who you are. Yeah. And I guess, you know, the last thing you want to do is uh, is rug pulling and scam your, your viewers because <laughs> they're not going to listen to you anymore. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Like you, obviously I, I've seen a couple of projects where like, the content creators or something have just done like a half-assed project and it's kind of it does just feel like something like a pump and dump push where it's just like they're just doing it to get the money out of the viewers and they're just going to dip with a bunch of money in their bank it's like it just it sucks to see but obviously like that's not what i'm about and that's not what hopefully most people are about in this industry yeah there we go and i guess for you know a lot of business people who are creating play to earn games and and other blockchain projects listen to this podcast so i think it's a great i think it's a great learning for them like, yeah. you know, MidBeast is interested as a content creator, but you've got to show him the value. It's not just chucking 20 grand and he'll say, yes, I'll just do whatever you want. Like you need to, <laughs> you've got a much longer life to think about, you know, of, of content creation 
to you know make sure these viewers respect you and, and look after you. You know, you, they, yeah. they feel looked after. No, exactly. Yeah. So bring the value, huh? Would you would you ever see yourself moving away from from league to something else if something else is compelling? Hundred percent. I could easily if I get obsessed with another game like I am with League of Legends, I'd jump ship straight away. Mm. It's just I'm obsessed with League. I'm always trying to like get to the rank one on the leaderboard, travel to different countries, diverse like pro players. Like that's just what I'm about now. I just feel so competitive in that. But if another game can come out in a similar fashion where it's you know you're trying to prove yourself as the best, like I love that grind. I'd for mm. sure jump ship, but. In the foreseeable future, I can't see too many games coming. Like, I guess you can't in this industry. You don't know what's coming up, but I can't see myself jumping away from League of Legends in the next three to five years. Yeah, and for people who don't like who are listening, who don't quite understand what Drew's saying about like the mechanical, like macro and micro skill level that's required in a game, I'll, I'll try to explain it and I'll see if you agree. I'll explain it in like a Counter Strike sense. Like when the CS:GO beta came out in in 2012, like October. My team and I from Counter-Strike Source were on that game for like nine hours that night until like 3 a.m. And we were checking every single spot on the map. Like where can we stand? Where can we boost? What parts of the map can we see over? And then looking at every single grenade throw spot and to the point where we had, you know, full Google Drive documents that's, that had all these things in here that we would call dry run. So I know that on a certain map on Dust2 on T side, I know that at one minute, 27 on the clock i'm meant to throw a smoke at this exact section and then i run into the b bomb site looking left right and then i look at the window and then i stay looking at the window depending on who's alive or who's dead like i know that when we do a default on t side which is just go out and just see where the enemy is i know that i go b uppers to lowers i know the areas are pre-fire and pre-nade every single time like you know and you practice these things to the pixel like we have these runs where you would all sit in a certain space and you know exactly what pixel to look at and you take three steps and then you throw the flashbang and then you know, off you go into the site. So this is the, you know, this is the complexity that we're talking about here. We're not talking about like just make the game harder, like Dark Souls, just make the enemies yeah. do more damage. Where like it takes like hours and hours and hours to perfect this stuff, and not just you. It takes four other people in the same server plus a coach. A lot of the time, hours and hours and hours just to just to perfect this stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, we're nerds, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's feels like those like tact is going to be ingrained in your brain until the day you die. Just yeah. Yeah, memorize them. That's so That's true, man. Yeah, I mean, I was in I was in Air Force Cadets for for like six years, and I still remember the entire um, weapons handling course for the style. Like, I could I could tell yeah. you all the clearance drills and stuff. Like, it's not much different than that. I could tell you pretty much all of our strats and what I would do. I feel like th- these days, I feel like I'm the old like boxing coach and trainer who has like all the knowledge, but none of like the hand eye coordination and skills. <laughs> yeah, none of the skills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where I like me one day. I could play like matchmaking in CS because I like quit like eight years ago and be terrible and all of a sudden pull off like a massive one before and everyone thinks you're a cheater and you're like, I don't know, man, I just, I'm just <laughs> watching. It all up. comes back to you for over like a 10 second period. Just yeah. Clicks. Just flows, <laughs> just flows back in. Well, hey, we got about, um, we got about eight, 10 minutes left. So anyone who's sitting in the audience now that wants to ask any questions to Drew or Midbeast, um, about anything at all, whether it's to do with like blockchain related stuff whether it's about anything else, all you have to do is click the little hand thing, um, which is raising your hand, and then we can promote you up to, to ask a couple of questions. We can ask what he had for breakfast or what his exact address is or, yeah, any any questions about his thoughts on NFT within blockchain. Within reason, yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously within reason. And then I guess just as we've seen a couple of requests come in, once again, just the housekeeping stuff. So we're going through the launch right now for Gamify. So happy launch day to everyone. 
Um, make sure you check out the Telegram for updates as well as we're just going through the audio right now. And then there's a whole bunch of admins online here in the Discord if you're live listening in, so you can feel free to ask them any of the questions or most of the stuff's covered on the Gamify website through the live paper as well that you can check out. All right, we've got one person that wants to come up, George. So we'll invite George to speak and we'll see what they have to ask. All right, we sent an invite. We're waiting. So you you going to be streaming tonight with this? Of course, Hello? yeah. Oh, there we go. Hey, welcome, Hello. George. Hey, George. Hello. Hello. Sorry, it's not really a question for Drew. It's just um, I, I just joined. It's going to sound quite ignorant, but I, I I joined not really knowing what the podcast was about. I was just bored and, you know, thought I'd come and join in. Cool. But um, just hearing you talking about the NFTs, it got me thinking because uh, I was I was quite like an early adopter of like blockchain and I used Bitcoin, you know, six, seven sure. years ago when it was like $100, $200 a Bitcoin. And nice. I knew back then it was going to be like the future, right? Because it, it made everything easier. Mm. Uh, I, I was under 18, so using PayPal and stuff, you know, kept getting accounts limited and everything else. But how how can you possibly, for someone like me, who is into blockchain, but looks at like NFTs and it's like, I mean, the memes of, I'll just screenshot it. And everything else. <laughs> how, do, yeah. how, do you, how do you convince someone like that to well, to adopt? Because what you were saying about league, right? If I could just buy a skin with no extras and just be like, "Yeah, you can use this on a different game," or my Steam games, I can sell to someone else. It's like, okay, that sounds really cool. But the moment you put blockchain and NFT in people's head, it's like, okay, I can't be asked with this. You know, how do you convince people that it will benefit them? I think like a lot of what you said before, Drew, is like you need to show value and people aren't seeing the value. So they're like, cool, why do I want to buy this weird picture of a monkey that doesn't even look that great that's that's actually worth $450,000 when it doesn't make my life better? Like how many, you know, I'm like I turned 30 late last year and like how many of my friends do I know who are around my age who spend significant amounts of investment on artwork? Like zero. I don't know a single one. Even my investors, they they spend money on like, you know, expensive cars and stuff as status icons, but you know, maybe Balenciaga shoes and and you know Gucci and, and stuff, but not not that kind of stuff. So I think that's you know, I think what Drew was saying before it rings really true, which is like, what is the actual value that it brings to you? Does it make your life easier? Does it make you money while making your life easier? Well then it seems like a no-brainer for me. But if there's not like inherent value there, it doesn't add that. And you know, I like the example that we talked about. If you can own your skins for life and then when you decide that you know, Midboost decides, hey, that's it, I'm not a lol streamer anymore, I'm moving across to this blockchain game or whatever, he can sell his $20,000 worth of skins. It doesn't die with his account, which is illegal to sell to someone else right now. He can't even sell his exactly. account. It makes sense from like a, a, a gamer point of view. It adds value to me. It's just that obviously for Riot, where does the value lie for them? So like if they're not going to do it, maybe another company is going to come in and do that. But who knows? It's just almost from like where I'm standing, the initial like launch of everything, because it's traditionally something i would be like oh i'm really interested in this let me go find out more but just because of i don't know first impressions i think i I can say for a lot of my friends and people i speak to the first impressions and the the type of people promoting it and all the schemes that have happened like you said the pump and dumps and everything it's like left a bad taste so it's almost like in my shoes if it needed to be marketed to me it kind of just needs to be renamed as something else even though that doesn't particularly make sense Mm-hmm. It's just the name NFT leaves a bad taste in my mouth when I've seen everything that's happened. 
Yeah, and a lot of the games that we're working with and, and some that are coming to, to Gamify, we've given them very similar advice, which is talk about your game first and that it's on blockchain second. Yeah. So, like, if, if Visa or MasterCard came out tomorrow and, and they were like, hey, everyone, um, you know how you usually have to pay for transaction fees? That doesn't exist anymore. And you know how you have a limit of $5,000 a day in your card? That also doesn't exist. Oh, and then, by the way, that's just backed by crypto, but nothing changes for you. People would go sick, all right? I save money. My life's easier. Nothing changes for me whatsoever. Yeah. And I think... Yeah. You know, if, if Wright came out tomorrow and they were like, hey, you can literally just keep buying your skins with USD or AED or whatever, you can then sell them, you own them, and you can do whatever you want with them. People would go sick, that's great. And say, so, oh, by the way, they're attached to NFTs. People would go, okay, whatever. But, it, you know, it's got, to, it's got to add some actual value to them first. It's not like square peg, round hole, you know, these weird um, schemes that, that people are kind of cooking up, trying to solve problems. And you being so early in cryptocurrency, like, you would have probably seen this back in like 2017 when everybody was trying to make the new Bitcoin, which everyone's going to buy their coffee with every single day. Yeah. And it turned out that that wasn't a problem that people really needed to solve because they're happy just using a credit card. They don't want to like get a brand new card and do all this weird stuff. You know, they just want to, uh, yeah, you know, they just want to. I think things like that only become easier if all of your funds are already in crypto, right? Mm-hmm. But it's for most regular people having you know, their bank account, whether it be a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars sat in crypto and watching it go up and down every day is terrifying. Yes. So saying you can use this for your daily life is like it's yeah. just scary for a lot of people. Yeah, and you know another another application of, of NFTs, which is something exactly what Gamify does, which is time related NFTs that allow you or time limited NFTs that give you early access into the IDO launches. So these are these are NFTs that function um, not just as a pretty piece of artwork or some sort of skin, but they're actually a utility and they're something that you can use to then go and, and do some other stuff. So, you know, I think you're bringing up some valuable points. Once again, like what we were talking about, it's it's we just need to make sure that people understand, you know, you're, you're a big believer in it as so many other people are. We just need to be able to effectively communicate to people and show them the value of, of what, you know, can what can be done and what's coming. So thanks, George. Well, um, Thank you very much. Thank you, yeah, no worries. Thank you. So we'll just try to... Move Jord down and then we'll try to invite the other person in. There we go. Move the audience and we've got one other person coming in. Ether Real Trader. Hey, mate, how are you? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, we Hello. can. Yep. Okay, uh, not so much a question, but just an opinion to um, add on to what you were saying there. Uh, so just about me, I'm a pretty much a veteran gamer, also an early adopter in blockchain and crypto. Awesome. Um, so one thing I think is that with any new thing, really, people are always resistant to change. And, uh, you know, it was this, the story with Internet and uh, desktop computers and all of that. A lot of examples. But what I've seen, um, people with crypto, it's either they got burnt in the past or they missed the bus. So they're they, um, negative about it. A lot of the time in the news, they remember all the bad uh all the bad news more than they remember the good news. That's just human nature. But I can, I'm pretty sure that they will eventually realize that this is something really revolutionary. Instead of paying a subscription to a traditional game, they can actually earn by playing instead of actually spending money on the subscription or the once of purchase. I think when they realize the true value and the proof of ownership with the NFTs and it can't be hacked or copied or whatever. Um, and uh, the whole gamification around that, I think as soon as they realize 
really the true potential, then they'll jump in. But I think it's going to take a bit of time, like with any new thing. Uh, even with my circle of friends that are gamers, uh, when I first mentioned to them, yeah, blockchain games and, and NFTs and all this, they were <laughs> very hesitant as I even expected. But now, as they see more companies, big players like um, obviously Facebook, NVIDIA, Microsoft, etc., as they see them talking about and developing metaverse and gaming things, and it's all the hype about NFTs, now I'm seeing a change in their mindset and already a lot of them are uh, asking me how they can get involved. And yeah, so I really just think it's a matter of time. Can't stop a freight train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very true, mate. Well, it goes back to exactly what, what Midvis was talking about before. If you're showing the value, he's in too. Same as your mates who are, who are friends. And you know, I guess that's a lot of the reason why we made this, this gamified Discord as well is for you know, having people to have a place to discuss you know, freely and openly, what's the what's the future of video games? You know, and it's and it's based around blockchain. And then, what's the value that needs to be communicated and provided? You know, for people to do that. So, thanks, man. Thanks for coming. Yeah, on. sure. Thank you. Cool. Cool. So, if anyone else wants to chuck up their hand to ask any other questions, yeah. I have a, I have a question. Cool. What did okay. you have for breakfast, Ruben? What did you have for breakfast? Every morning, mate. I have oats with blueberries. It's the key. There it is. Key key to a big YouTube channel. Oats for breakfast. Got it. You get mechanics. Fast mechanics for League of Legends. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> so we've got a couple of other people wanting to come up and ask some questions. So I've just got another person who we're just invited up to here as well. JBD, great. Mate, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. You hear me now? Do you hear yes, me? We can yeah, hear it. I just have a quick question about the metaverse of Facebook. Is it uh, worth buying for or a good investment? That's a quick question for for, for you both. <laughs> it's hard to say, man. Well, I mean, the the general um, spiel is, you know, A, Meta is not, not associated with Gamify, and then B, I'm not a financial advisor, and I would assume that Drew isn't either, although he's a handsome no, individual who's good at making money. Um, so, yeah, it's really a decision you got to make for yourself. But I think, you know, the, the question to ask yourself, which is what we've talked about so often, is what value does it bring to you? Is it, you know, is it something that you plan on using? Is it something you, your friends plan on using? And is it, you know, something that you see changing the changing the future? Oh, I understand. And the second thing for for the going to be a um, incoming YouTuber for the uh, like an advice for like a beginner, what can you possibly uh, make an advice? The first advice for an upcoming YouTuber? Yes, like a beginner. Like he okay. wants to put up a new YouTube channel or something. I would just focus on putting out good content, good quality content that you think, that number one, you're interested in or that you'd think that like a, a community you could build would be interested in and just being consistent with it. Obviously, you don't want to get too ahead of yourself in the first couple of videos and expect to blow up overnight. I think you just want to put it in good, solid content and the people will come eventually. Um, that's probably the best advice I could give. Just make sure you're enjoying it as well. Like a lot of people kind of started YouTube channel where they see like all this money they can make and like, I want to make a living off of it. But I think the number one thing you got to see it as a hobby, you got to really enjoy it, be passionate about the content. And then hopefully the community comes second. Oh, thank you so much for your response. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. No worries. Thanks for coming. All right. I think we've got time for one more question. We've got a couple of people coming in who's wanting to speak. So we'll invite Jord up. How often do you get asked that question, Drew? Which question? 
how to how to become a YouTuber, how to become a Twitch streamer? Is it common? Oh, all the time. Yeah, it's a tough question to answer as well. Like it's, I feel like it's so different from person to person. It's like, I don't know, it, there's some luck involved, obviously. Like there's just a lot of things that go into it, but yeah. Yeah. I was trying and to help. We talked about that a little bit before, right? Like with me, with my LinkedIn, it was consistency of content and quality of content because the yeah. quality on YouTube isn't great a lot of the time and especially the quality on LinkedIn was extremely poor. So we found that if we made something which was actually easy and good to look at, like it's just the easiest way to win, just to make something yeah. nice. Yeah, George, welcome. What do you oh, want I'm to ask? Sorry, again. Um, uh, just a quick question this time. Um, when you uh, put up a video, Drew, yeah. how, when, when you're thinking of like an idea or a, a, ga- a replay you want to watch, how much of your thought goes into, can I make a banger title for this? Or is it a good replay? You know, like, what, um, what's the thought process? Mate, I would say probably half of it is looking for good names that I can put on a thumbnail and put on a title. Then I'll try and make sure the game quality is somewhat good and educational. And um, and I'll, I just bang it out, I guess. But, yeah, I definitely think when I'm scouting it, I'm scouting for the big names. I can clickbait. I can put on my thumbnails that look pretty. That, Hulk smash 1337 for 500k views, you know? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Same drop ninja, you're good to go. Huh? <laughs> okay, right. yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, mate. And we got one last question. We just invited Savvy up here, we'll see what he has to ask. Savvy, hello, mate. Lucky G'day, caller, mate. last one. Oh, thanks. Uh, so, my question is for Drew. Yep. And obviously, for someone that's like really passionate about League and really into YouTube and the grind, how do you like. Do you ever get burnt out at all? Because you're so passionate. And if you do, how do you try to mitigate it or like go around it? Because if yep. someone is going to university, it's like doing veterinarian and shit. I sometimes like just get burnt out, even though I love the course. I love what I'm doing. I'm just yep. wondering, how do you cope with it? Like burnout? I've been burnt out a couple times over the last like four or five years where maybe a month or two, I'm just really not enjoying it. But for me, man, I just grind it out. I know eventually the passion is going to come back to me. I just need to not give up on it. And for me, unfortunately, like you can't really take a break in content for me. So I just, yeah. I just power through. I know the passion is going to come back, but maybe I'll put a little bit less time into my league focus and look to, you know, go spend time with friends and family, read a book, do whatever. But eventually the passion for me has always come back, thankfully. So I know like if I get into a slump, it's just, just grind it out, put a little bit less time into it. The passion will come back. Okay, that's good. Thanks, bro. Cheers. Awesome. And you know, Savvy, the other thing that 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 Midbeef talked about during the thing as well is that separation of playing the game and having a real life. Talking about having his regular breakfast every day, you know, going for a swim, getting outside, having a bit of fun. You know, it's not just hundred yeah, percent exactly. about that. It's just yeah, been a no, little bit sure. harder to do nowadays because of COVID. <laughs> yeah, that's that's but, the problem. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get outside to break it up, but yeah, that's that's yeah, key that's for sure. Like. Some people just stay inside, play 15 hours a day, like, and then just go to sleep and rinse and repeat. And that's just not sustainable. Just, just for me, just because no. I'm, I'm in Australia, thankfully, I can still go outside and go to the beach or something. Like, I can kind of break up my content if I need a break. So, very grateful. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm in Sydney and it's just. Oh, nice. It's, yeah. So, it's like, I can do whatever I want, but it's just like still the threat of COVID is there. So, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. It's tough. Beautiful. It Thanks, is, Savvy. Yeah. Thanks no, for the question, Savvy. Thank you for having me. Cheers. No worries, mate. No worries. So just once again, just housekeeping for anyone listening, um, it's launch day for Gamify right now. So the token will be listed on PancakeSwap at 2.30 p.m. GMT. 
and the contract address will be provided at the time of the listing. Pre-sale participants will have their tokens distributed 20 minutes after the initial listing. We're employing anti-bot and anti-snipe technology to ensure, ensure fair launch for all. The community telegram will be muted two hours before launch with updates every 30 minutes and then every five minutes closer to launch. On launch, it will be reopened and then it'll be a FUD-free zone. So anyone spreading FUD will be dealt with. We know, you know there's some people like to cause a bit of drama in the chats. If anyone has any questions about the tokenomics, it's listed in the light paper or the sheet in the CM group. And then you can also check out gamify.gg for anything in there. Drew, that's it, mate. We finished with this episode. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. This has been fun. All right, thanks, thanks for coming. And then for anyone who's um, listening to you, I guess, especially from the traditional markets, you know, like I said, we got a lot of blockchain developers here and that kind of stuff. Where is the best place to follow you and see your content online? Um, I would just say probably on YouTube, just on MidBeast or on Twitter at MidBeast. And if you want to get in touch, just midbeast.teamliquid.com. Fantastic. Fantastic, man. And I guess I'll be going live on my, uh, on my little plug. I'll be going live on my Twitch stream in about, I'd say, 15 minutes. It's MidBeast on Twitch. Hey, let's go. And, you know, if I, if I am to drag anything from this call away, really, from you, it's like, hey, I'm someone who's a traditional gamer and myself and my large audience both agree that if you can show us the value, we're in as far as blockchain game goes, but you just need to see that effectively and clearly communicated and the value needs to be there and you're good to go. Exactly. Very interested. Just bring us an awesome game and then the marketplace, the NFTs, everything on top of it will just be an extra bonus that we can enjoy. Yeah, fantastic, brother. Thanks for coming on. We'll keep in touch. Awesome. Yeah, All for right. sure. Appreciate Thanks, it.